In a world where so many challenges exist in modern day society and so many gaps are still present, it is time to bring like-minded people together to create conversation and ideas around change to see how we can better ourselves moving forward. Welcome to the Bunyara Effect. G'day everyone, welcome to the very first episode of The Bunyara Effect. Now the whole point of these podcasts are to create conversation for change around topics that are affecting modern society and to see how as practitioners within the sector we can make things better moving forward. I'm very fortunate enough today to be joined by my colleague Naz. Naz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now Naz, what we want to talk about today is a program that we've been running getting closer to the mainstream sector, especially within the mining and resource and rolling out through business. And this is targeting a a more of a mental health approach, correct? Correct. It's looking more at well-being. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about what we've been trying to achieve. Now, I can ramble on about this for ages, but I want to make sure the listeners at home get to have a chance to hear you as well. So it is specifically targeted at well-being, but tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So it's looking at the fact that probably a lot of the support that's provided in the workplace is more at the pointy end when there's been um, issues identified. Um, our program is looking at trying to get in before it gets to that point and really creating a culture of well-being in the workplace. So now we have been really fortunate enough to enter this program into the, I guess you'd call it the, the mining resource industrial sector. And it is one of those areas where there have been a lot of, I guess, EAP program or base programs that have been there previously where if you're feeling concerned or worried, they did have supports that you could reach out. How, after talking to a lot of people in this sector, do you feel that those programs were effective? Well, I guess they're important programs, but the thing is they're not the only thing that's needed to um, to support wellbeing. And if a program can actually promote wellbeing, make the workers more aware or the workplaces more aware of what's involved in good well-being and put some plans in place to try and support worker well-being then that's in the ultimate um, or in the long run is going to be more effective than waiting for a problem to occur before addressing it. Exactly so basically this is a proactive preventative based approach that we're trying to utilize correct? Absolutely. And, and I think it's very important that we do that because if you look back over the many years that we've been working within the mental health sector and an agency in general have been targeting the mental health sector. A lot of it, in my view, has been purely reactive. We wait for a problem to occur. Once a problem has occurred, then we try to put a support service in place to respond after the fact. That's correct. So I guess moving forward, we developed a bit of a program and we call it the nickel effect or the nickel training. Can you break down what you think the nickel training means and how it works? Okay, so a big part of what um, is happening in the workplace is is peers are supporting peers and sometimes those people who are supporting others aren't getting support for themselves. So Nicola is about being able to identify when your co-workers are not in a good um, place, being able to jump in and provide some support um, and also being able to look at your own um, support needs as well. Okay, so nickel itself is an abbreviation, right? So nickel stands for notice, inquire, connect and link. Let's start with the notice component. What's important about that? Okay, so noticing is about, well, 
The co-workers are the ones that know, are more likely to know um, their colleagues. They're more likely to notice when they're not in a good place or when there's just some concerns around that person's well-being. And um, they are the ones that their colleagues are more likely to link with than other people at that early stage. Yeah, so they've got that knowledge. They, they see these people on a regular yep. basis. And, yep. and I think the challenge for us as counsellors or psychologists or social workers entering a particular workforce, we're not known and we don't know the individuals mm -hmm. we're trying to support. So we might not be able to pick up the particular behaviour traits or behaviour changes that the everyday colleagues may be able to notice immediately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the inquiry stage, this is one of the most common stages we see within mental health practice throughout the nation. Are you okay? Is um, or are you okay? Day is one of the biggest, I guess. Uh, how would you say this? Platforms on trying to get this particular part of our training in place, in that it makes you ask the question. It challenges you to, if you notice there's something wrong, to progress to the next stage and say, are you okay? Now, are you okay itself is just the initial question, right? There, that's there are right. there are other ways to investigate. Yeah, that's right. And are you okay can be a great starting point, but sometimes it really is gets a um, just a response that's yeah I'm fine or not so good where do you go from there and that's where I think a lot of people get a little bit frightened off providing support or inquiring because they're not sure where they go from that actual response to their question so it's building them with some skills and some approaches that can help them to inquire a little bit further without feeling threatened themselves absolutely and I think when you make the inquiry, the really important next part is developing that connection. Mm -hmm. Because there seems to be a thing with mainstream Australian society where if someone asks if we're okay, we're automatically trained to go, yeah, nah, I'm good. Mm. You know, that, that good old Australian lingo, yeah, nah, we're not sure which way to go. But people are naturally trained not to present with their problem. Because a lot of the time, if we say we're not doing that great, the instinct of the other individual is to run and to avoid the next part of the conversation. So it's, it's... It makes people feel quite insecure and, and unsafe in their emotions actually expressing if they're not feeling yeah. that great. Yeah. So that connection's a huge part, yeah. Yeah. And look, often the person who's inquiring is genuinely concerned for that person and wants to be able to support the person. But they probably feel a little bit um, as if they don't know if they can help them or if they've got the skills to help them. But the critical thing is just making that connection. It's just having someone that is taking the time to notice and to listen. Mm -hmm. And so it can be as simple as just listening and um, giving and checking in on that person on a regular basis so that that person feels like someone, they matter to someone. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things that I talk about when I'm doing this training or when I'm working with individuals on site about what questions to ask and not to ask, one of the biggest questions I advise not to ask, and I'd love to hear your thoughts here, Naz, is to avoid the question, why? Because I feel that why is quite an attacking question. Mm -hmm. And when you're asked why, you automatically have to rationalise and defend yourself for that particular situation instead of being allowed to explore what's going on and try to develop a resolution. Yep, that's absolutely right. As soon as you say why, you start to try and justify um, why you're not feeling the best or what what's going on. It, if you can approach it in a much more informal way, just like tell me what's going on for you today or tell me why you're feeling a bit um, uncomfortable or tell me why this is going on for you, 
it opens up the conversation um, rather than closing the conversation down. And that's huge, right? When we're trying to get people to talk about mental health, the last thing we want to do is close them down. That's right. We want them to feel safe and open to express mm-hmm. what's going on. And, and I want to go back, first of all, remind me to go back in a second. The final stage of the nickel process is obviously link. Mm-hmm. And, and linking is a huge part because I myself don't believe it is the responsibility of, of workplaces to try to target and respond to every single mental health concern that may present because that in itself and for those listening that are in this sector you guys are fully aware how challenging it can be on a daily basis working within this particular field and how much need there is for self-care in doing so so my advice for those within the workplace is make sure you know which services are available so that you can put the links in place so that you yourself are not responsible to constantly have to support yeah that's absolutely right the problem is i think that we feel like we should solve other people's problems and that's where we take on a load that we can't bear. So it's more about being aware of what services are available, mm-hmm. um, both within the workplace and external to the workplace, and then being able to um, just suggest or sometimes assist the person to link with those services. Absolutely, and I think that's really important because we've been um, brought up in another society where we go, if you're feeling unwell, here's a number, make the call. For those listening, don't be afraid to hold someone's hand, get them to the phone and make the phone call with them. Sometimes that may be what that person needs at that particular moment in time. Now, Naz, how do you feel this nickel process is is rolling out and and working within the sector? Are we starting to see positive effects in a short time already? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the value of of it is in its simplicity. It's a very simple way to feel a little bit more comfortable about supporting your colleagues. So it's not some huge process that you need to go through. It's something that you can just keep in your mind to actually just think, okay, let's just follow that process for that person, but also at the end, following the process for yourself as well. And that's the important part about it. If you're gonna give that nickel away, you need to give yourself back a nickel as well so that you can stay, so that you can improve your own wellbeing. Absolutely, and for those listening at home today, uh, Narelle and I, or Naz and I, were very excited when we actually developed the nickel process because it is about uh, that, that concept of money. You know, if you're constantly giving away the support, and, and for those that are in the education system listening today too, it's like that filler bucket that you learn about in, in the younger years. If you're constantly giving out, giving out, giving out, eventually you're going to be left with nothing yourself. And it is the same for our mental health and our mental well-being. If we're constantly checking in on others without checking in on ourselves, that's how we start experiencing burnout. That's how we start experiencing vicarious trauma. We need to be able to look after ourselves. Now, one thing I'm really excited about now at the moment is we have been really fortunate to start linking with the Kingaroy Chamber of Commerce. For those that don't know where Kingaroy is that are listening, it is within the South Burnett region in southeast Queensland. And I'm very excited about this. I'm very passionate about this. How are you feeling about moving forward, being able to work in a a proactive, preventative-based manner within the business setting? Look, I'm really excited as well, and probably the the reason I'm so excited is because the um, managers and CEOs and the big business people and the leaders in the community are actually really starting to focus on mental health and wellbeing and seeing the importance of it within their workplaces. So to have them on board and to have them as the ones that are promoting it is just um, exactly what we want to do in terms of prevention and proactive um, programs. Absolutely. And 
I know initially when working with some of the businesses, there was the fear factor because we were identifying problems very early on. And one of the ways that we've had to actually work with managers and CEOs and, and business owners is actually point out that this is a positive that we can address these issues early, correct? Because we're better off targeting them now mm-hmm. while they're smaller and they're mm-hmm. able to be worked with in a, in a quicker, more efficient manner than allowing them to escalate and dealing with the end result. Yep, absolutely. And also I think the um, businesses are realising that it's going to improve their productivity as well in the long run. So it's not just about looking after their workers, it's about looking after their business as well. Absolutely. And we all know that if we have a physical injury, it impacts on our ability to do our work. But again, good old society has allowed us to develop all these barriers and stigma around our mentality and our mental strength and mental flexibility whichever way you want to look at it we just don't view it as being able to inhibit it as much as a physical injury but one of the things we talk about and as when we do our presentations is that whole wheel of well-being and how it all must come into account when, when looking at the human body in the fact that our brains make up a large part of how the rest of us function and if we are feeling that we're not operating the best mentally it does have effects physically too, yeah? Yep, absolutely. And I guess as part of that whole thing, my passion is around the mindfulness um, and how that can be used in the workplace to um, improve your wellbeing, but also to um, de-escalate situations. Um, And, you know, it's a good tool for people that's simple and quick and easy, and people can use it when they're in those stressful situations. They can use it in the meeting environment. They can use it in when they're under pressure or extreme amount of stress to help ground themselves and to help get them into a good place so that they can think clearly and not mm-hmm. react from their emotions. Yeah, and look, that's absolutely huge. Mindfulness and being able to ground yourself, like you said, it is a really powerful tool because we don't always live in the present. We are always looking and aiming forward and worrying about things that either haven't yet happened or things that have previously happened. We allow them to affect who we are now. And I think grounding and mindfulness tools are a really strong tool to allow us to be who we are right within this moment. Yep, true. And And it's also um, often when we're under pressure, we're not thinking clearly because we've got so many competing thoughts. So it's a way of actually helping you to focus on the thoughts that you need or to think clearly in a situation that could end up being quite dangerous if you're not thinking clearly. Absolutely and because we have targeted the the workforce and in particular the industrial sector there is a lot of high risk work and if Mm -hmm. people aren't focused Mm -hmm. there is potentially a huge risk there for significant injury and and this is why we are so uh, passionate about putting these supports into the workplace and it's been lacking for so so long you know if you look at the general community that we live in and then broader how often do we see funding being put out there that might sit with NGOs or government agencies that are specifically not targeted for those that work from eight to five that have a family that have assets that don't have the ability to go out and reach out for these supports like we, we see it all the time that it's I don't know whether you want to call it the white collar person is often missing out on having these services presented to them in Mm -hmm. in a manner that makes it more accessible. Mm. And I think that that's probably the power of this whole program is that we're on site, we're visible, we um, get seen around the workplace Mm -hmm. and um, people 
come to see folk, that focus on well-being as being part of the culture rather than just an add-on. Absolutely. And look, like I said previously, we are really fortunate at the moment that we are working alongside the Kingaroy Chamber of Commerce with the potential of other chambers wanting to come on board, which is even more exciting, to really start rolling these programs out across business and to, to really start targeting. And I guess my way of looking at it is supporting and protecting our community mm-hmm. because when, when we talk about community, community are our employees. Community are the mothers, the fathers, the sisters, the brothers that go to work every day, that go home, they support all of their people around them. They're the ones often missing out. Yep, true. And so look, I'm, I'm excited with that concept and in being able to address that. But one thing we know too, Naz, is that mental health doesn't discriminate. That's right. And I guess um, for me, I've been really impressed by the fact that there has been such a focus on the supervisors and the, um, the sort of leading hands, those sorts of people in the workplace, because they do shoulder a lot of the um, problems of their, um, their colleagues. And, um, and they have to be that bridge between their workers and the management. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a very difficult position to be placed in. Absolutely, I, t- I totally agree with you there. And, and this has been a great opportunity to make sure that those people are being supported. You're totally right. In an ideal world, moving forward, what would you love to see across this sector? How do we create this change? Because Look, we live in an area at the moment that has the highest suicide rate in Australia. It has one of the lowest mental health rates in Australia. We, we have a lack, in my opinion, of mental health support. Mm-hmm. How do we create change? How do we try to tackle this? You know, because if you look at COVID, for example, and this isn't trying to make too much of a comparison between the two because they are significantly different. Look at the response we have to target that. Now, mental health, they've released a budget around that. And again, this is going to be my view, so people can, can have a thought about this. For me, the budget is is like looking at a supermarket, and, and Philip on ACA made a really good um, explanation of this. It's like expanding the supermarket because people need the needs, but having the exact same amount of checkouts. Yeah. So we're increasing the pool, but not the access in or out of that pool. And so what we do then is we go and build a replica of that, and we build another supermarket, but we still don't have access to the people in and out. I would love to see the funding really start to spread out across the sector and across to the people that are on the ground already you know we don't need to create new wheels here they're already in place and they're already rolling Mm. it'll be great to get those services Mm. that support to get them off the ground in an ideal world how do we tackle this how do we address mental health suicide from from your point of view oh well i think that um this is definitely a starting point and i think it's something that needs to be built in built into every um, workplace um, to every support service. It's about getting right back to the beginning mm-hmm. to really focus on promoting what's involved in improving your well-being and that's a holistic thing that is based around a lot of the wheel of well-being which Maudsley International has developed and it's looking at you know all of the aspects of ourselves that we need to be focused on in order to have a balance mm-hmm. in terms of our well-being. And building that culture where that's it's a normal part mm. of our lives to right. to have regular well-being check-ins, well-being chats, just the same as you would go to a GP to have a check-in. Um, you don't leave it until you're 
um, in a critical health situation before you go to a GP. You usually try and get in early so that you can get support so that it doesn't get worse. Shouldn't it be the same with our own mental health? Absolutely. And if we look at lives lost around um, Australia initially mm-hmm. um, to, to mental health at the moment, the figures, that there needs to be something done. Yes. We need to get yes. these strategies in place. And, you know, I, I thank you as a colleague for, for coming on this journey with me and to those that are really using this program. Like I said, um, a lot of our local businesses are taking up the Kingaroy Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they, they should really stand proud as, a, I guess, a group of, of executives for rolling with this and, and seeing the need locally to put this into place. And I want to give you an idea for those listening at home how uncomfortable it is for people to target and work with their own mental health. When we do this nickel training, Naz gets up and one of the first things she does, Narelle, can you explain to people what you actually get people to do in that first moment of doing our training? All right, before we go into anything, we do do a mindfulness exercise. So it is about um, grounding them and bringing them into the present moment so that then they are able to be in uh, in a mindset that they are able to then focus on the aspects of well-being um, and the importance of well-being so yeah just a simple mindfulness breathing um, focus on your senses exercise. can you explain why so many people feel uncomfortable doing that initially well they see it as you know this um, whole meditation sort of hippie um, <laughs> yeah. and certainly the big burly guys at the uh, in the mines and power stations think oh wow what you going what you gonna do with us here <laughs> That's and, right. and you know it's most of them um, participate really well and are very positive Absolutely. about the outcomes of that. And, and I think one of the other challenges too is we become so uncomfortable sitting in the moment. Mm-hmm. We are so used to trying to keep ourselves busy, keeping mm-hmm. ourselves preoccupied. In a modern day world where technology is in our fingers, how often, and this is my question for those at home, how often are you sitting there actually present without having to grab your phone, without having to be on Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever your, your current thing is that you're enjoying being a part of? And this is a struggle we have with this training is people feel really uncomfortable and it only goes for 120 seconds that people have to be in that mindfulness activity. But you can see, I reckon it's about 30 seconds in, people start. opening up their eyes and they look around and see what everyone else is doing and they start squirming a little bit in their seats but it's really important because again it brings the focus back to being here and now in the present yeah and look there are proven health benefits of mindfulness and I had an example just recently where a friend of mine was um, doing a bushwalk Um, her pulse rate went up we sat down on a bench and did a mindfulness exercise and immediately her pulse rate went down. So, yeah, there are, it's not just in the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? It's a really good example how you say it's not just in the head because it shows a connection between um, the mental and physicality side of things That's of an right. individual. They do interlink. It's not You can't separate them and think that one's not going to affect the other. They do connect. They do correlate with yes. each other. That's right. And when you bring it back to the workplace and you think about the number of sickies that people have or their mm-hmm. mental health days, you know, it the impact on the workplace um, and on your own physical health is quite extreme if you're not if your well-being is not good absolutely so look we're not going to continue talking too much more for you today but we want you to uh, start looking at the process for businesses out there we want you to explore what you can put into your workplace to support your employees because the gap has been too big for too long and 
look, we're, we're excited. We're proud at being able to jump into the business and really start targeting these issues. So for anyone that wants that support out there, please reach out to us. We're happy to work with you and see what we can do to help. Uh, we, like I said, we are working with local business at the moment, specifically the Kingaroy Chamber of Commerce, and we're really excited about how things are moving going forward. And Narelle, do you have anything else that you would like to yeah, add? Yeah, I'd just like to say finally, you um, used a word earlier that I think is really important, and wellbeing is a journey. Mm. It's not a one-fix solution. Um, and I think that that's what our program is focusing on, that journey to wellbeing rather than just that one solution, one fix, one answer. Absolutely. So for all those listening at home, thank you for tuning into the Bunyara Effect today. And I'm going to leave you with one little thought grounding activity before I finish. For those that might feel themselves in a current moment of stress with anxiety, they can feel the butterflies in their stomach. I want you to look around the room and I want you to see five things you can see. Sorry. I want you to see five things you can see. What can you notice? What stands out to you? Once you've noticed five things you can see, I want you to think about four things you can hear. Right now, that might be my voice or the other noises in the background. Write these down if you don't want to do them while you're listening. Think about three things that you can feel. Once you've done the three things you can feel, two things that you can smell. What do they smell like? What do you remember? What memories does it bring back for you? And finally, one thing you can taste. So again, you're working back from five, four, three, two, one through your senses to allow yourself being in the present moment. Thank you all again for tuning into the Banyara Effect. Thank you, Naz, for being on the first show. My pleasure. All the best, guys. If there's anything we can do to support you, please reach out. We'll talk to you soon.